right. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to Darby Creek Church. We're going to open up here with uh, some great verses to start 2023. Uh, This is from Ephesians 4, uh, 21 through 24. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen. Good opportunity to let the Spirit renew our thoughts and attitudes. So let's go to Him in prayer this morning. Uh, God, we thank you uh, for this morning. God, we thank you that you're here with us, God, showering your grace and love on us. And uh, we just tell you, God, we're hurting this morning after after losing Walter and, and Ed so quickly. And I just pray that you would that you would heal up uh, everyone hurting this morning, their families and extended families and all their loved ones. And but uh, we do just thank you for the power of your gospel, Lord, that it shines brightly in times like these. And pray that you bring people uh, to yourself through these men's lives and the, the legacy that they've left. And God, thank you that we can celebrate the gospel today and just be forgiven and renewed by your spirit as we start a new year. And pray that you lift our hearts and help us worship you right now. In Jesus' name. Right, if you're comfortable standing, let's stand and sing of God's love and the goodness of the gospel.
bless God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him for the wonders of His love. Praise God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting there with all the world. All right. You think I'd know the lyrics by now, but not quite. There's always room for improvement. It's a couple verses from First Peter 2 or 1 verse, verse 9. It says, you are a chosen race. And it, it's speaking this of, of all who are believers. So if you're a believer in Jesus, this is about you. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's, this is our purpose, to proclaim his excellencies. So. Let's continue to do this as we sing, King of Kings.
Good. All right. Why don't you have a seat? Pastor Greg's coming up. So, uh, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are just, um, um, as Charlie said, we're you know we're we are mourning. Uh, we're the loss of our friends, and and uh, um, and just uh, we just pray for your help and for your nearness to be our strength, and we. Uh, um, Heal our hearts, God, and we know it's going to take time, um, but Lord, thank you that we can uh, walk through these things together and by the power of your Spirit. And so, Lord, we also just want to be able to turn our eyes to you this morning, as we already have done so in our worship time, in our time of singing, but also now in a time as we look to your Word and as we look into the Gospel of Luke and the life of Jesus. Lord, help us to um, uh, just to... to to have insight into what this passage has to teach us this morning, God. And we pray that each one of us would be open to what your spirit has to show us specifically. I'm always so amazed, God, at your Holy Spirit and how you can personalize these things, these applications to us, sometimes without even a word from the preacher, but the Holy Spirit just doing his work. And so, Lord, we, we welcome the Holy Spirit here, help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I forgot to mention here, I'm definitely off my game. Uh, there are some announcements here. And uh, so we are starting a 5th uh, through 8th grade group here once a month called TGIF Teens Growing in Faith. So um, that's going to happen on the third Sunday of each month after service in the Fellowship Hall there. Lunch will be included with that. And so if you have any questions, contact my wife, Linda, and she could fill you in. I think she's talked to parents here already, but just um, uh, also just let people know that if you have friends that have kids in that age, and we, we uh, would love to minister to them and, um, in this way. So that's coming up. And then, um, what in the world? Isn't there another one there? Sorry. Can somebody teach me again how to use this? 
Okay, that's what I was looking for. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> oh, thank you, Beth. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Tim had already left the room. Thank you, Tim. All right. Glad to know we're in capable hands. Thank you, Beth. Yeah. Uh, church prayer meeting coming up January 12, 715 in the Fellowship Hall. We'd love to have you there praying together uh, in unity, seeking God uh, as we go into the new year here for his direction and just uh, for the things that people have asked prayer for and come to that meeting to pray for. And so uh, we invite you to join us there. All right, so here we are uh, in the Gospel of Luke. We're just making our way through it, and we're going to do so throughout the year. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take us. I haven't really mapped it out, but um, what we will also probably do is we'll take some little uh, hiatuses along the way to do some short topical studies um, uh, along the way, and then, you know, be back on the Gospel of Luke. So, um, but uh, it's, uh, it's always good to just to kind of have something that you're going through together as a church. So, um, and here today we're going to be uh, looking at Jesus in the temple. The only passage we have of Jesus as a preteen. So parents, here it is, right? <laughs> of course, it is Jesus. So, you know, uh, you know, so, you know, don't put too high expectations on your children, okay? Um, however, I got to say, you know, this, this passage here really dials us into uh, the two natures of Jesus, his humanity and his is deity, and we're going to talk about that as we get, go through the passage. But, uh, you know, he was fully human, and as we will see, he had to learn just like you and I learned, just like your kids had to learn. Uh, it kind of blows your mind, uh, because in his divinity and his deity, he knows everything, <laughs> okay? So, yeah, that just blows your mind right there, right, um, trying to figure that out. But we're looking at Jesus uh, in the temple today, uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52. If you're able to stand, would you stand for the reading of the Word of God here? Luke 2, uh, 41 to 52 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him uh, among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Let's have a seat. <clears throat> so some years ago, uh, when we were taking uh, the teens and 
in, in our church to a conference in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, we went to, I think we went shopping for something. We took the kids out to some place so they could get a t-shirt or something like that. And so, you know, usually when you're on these trips, um, you just count the people in your car and make sure you have the same number of people you have in the car when you're leaving. doesn't matter if it was the same people as long as it's the same number, right? And uh, so as we're going there, as we're leaving, I'm like, does anybody see Megan, my daughter? And, and, then, so, and then we're, I think Annie may have hooked us up with some radios too, which would not be a surprise. Uh, Annie Whitaker, and we're radioing and saying, you know, is Megan in your car? No. Is Megan in your car? No. No. So uh, we left my daughter, Megan, back at the shop. And so uh, she probably never let me forget it. And um, But what I should have done that day was to say, listen, you're in good company because Jesus' parents left him too. You know? You're being like Jesus, you know? Um, yeah, so... Uh, an embarrassing moment for a parent, uh, but just wait, parents, it probably will happen to you. <laughs> you know? uh, I hope it doesn't, but uh, um, anyway, so uh, and just an interesting, isn't it interesting that of, uh, remember, Luke is, he is interviewing people, he is, uh, he, he is, he is he's interviewing people and coming up with all the, uh, these stories, you know, that he's recording. He's talking to eyewitnesses. The opening verses in Luke tell us that he's talked to eyewitnesses, and he's writing down all this stuff, and you just wonder if he was had a sit-down with Mary. And Mary says, yeah, I can't remember. I can't forget the time that we left Jesus back <laughs> at the Passover, you know? And, uh, but you just have to wonder if, if that's where this came from. We don't know. Uh, but again, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the only um, uh, record we have of Jesus as a preteen. You've got the infant stuff, you know, that we've already been through, um, and, and then we have this, and then you make a jump to, you know, his kind of public ministry and so on. So, um, uh, anyway, this, it's just fascinating to me. And so, there must be something special about this particular account. I think there is. I think there is definitely something special here that it would be included in Scripture, and we have no other accounts like this. Um, now, uh, in these first couple of verses, it's just about the, the journey to Jerusalem for Passover, and just to remind you of what those verses say, it says, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And so, uh, the thing that just strikes me here as we read this is it just kind of reiterates other things we've seen so far about Mary and Joseph. They were dedicated, uh, believing parents. They were simply uh, doing, trying to, to uh, raise their child, or probably by this point, probably children, uh, most likely, up in the Lord. Uh, and they wanted to uh, get some things started, some patterns started uh, that were according to their faith. And one of those patterns would have been making that pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And from Nazareth, where they lived, that would have been a three days journey, you know, and you didn't have a bullet train going from there to one to the other. So 
it's, it's quite a sacrifice, actually, to make that trip um, with kids in tow and everything. And so um, I just think there's, there's something here for us uh, just to be thinking about um, the importance of setting kind of spiritual patterns and habits as a family. And here they, we don't know what other things they did, but uh, we have them make, making this pilgrimage here, um, this, this sacrifice of the three days journey. And, and, you know, I think most of us parents would understand the importance of modeling to our children, being a, an example. Though not perfect, we know uh, our kids will be quick to tell us that and remind us of that, uh, but we know it. We know we're not the perfect models. But nonetheless, uh, by God's grace, we need to try to model to our kids what it, lo- what it looks like to be a Christ follower, right? And, um, and so, you know, and, and one of those things is just, uh, and it's always a battle to get the kids to church, okay? It, it totally is. I mean, the, the fact that any parent is here with their child, God bless you, okay? That is... That is no minor miracle, okay? So, so uh, and I know that Linda, my wife Linda, she's not here today, but she at times has told parents when they're coming in, you know, it's just so good to see you. I know how hard it is to, to be here and to get the kids ready and to get them here. And in our case, I mean, um, so when our kids were young, uh, you know, of course, I, I'm, I'm the pastor, and so I'm here early typically, and so... For all intents and purposes, Linda was a single parent on those days, and so uh, she can definitely uh, identify with the, that that part of it in terms of trying to get the kids here and everything. And so, um, uh, all that to say is that you know the Lord's going to bless your efforts uh, as you try to set patterns. You know, it just it's going to be hard. You're going to have some misses. You're going to have some wins, and so. Uh, one of the things we pray for at the at the uh, prayer meeting, we always pray over the families and the and the parents, and and it's just because we know it's a battle. It's really a battle, and uh, and so so just hang on to the scriptures when you're having those battles. Uh, Hebrews ten twenty four and twenty five. I don't have it up here, but it says, uh, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, uh, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we just got to hang on to that, that, that we need that togetherness with the people of God. And as we take our kids along with us, and as they, they may not understand all of the whys, you know, especially uh, when they're young and the, maybe they'd rather be doing something else or whatever, you know. Um, but the thing is, we don't want to downplay the role of the Holy Spirit in your child's life, okay? And getting them around the people of God, getting them around the Word of God, getting them around the singing, you just don't know what's going on uh, in their spirit, you know? So, so, uh, just, uh, so just know that um, I think it's important to have these, these patterns. Um, well, we are setting patterns regardless of whether they're positive or negative, right? Isn't that regardless of anything in our lives? And uh, so, so try to be um, modeling for our kids. And I, I just have, I to, ha, I have to think that Mary and Joseph were trying to do that for their kids. And certainly they needed God's help. Uh, they needed God's grace, just like every one of us as parents do too. Um, so think about this. I, I remember my daughter, this is all about Megan today. 
Um, but my daughter, uh, when she got, uh, when she married Sam, um, we each got a little gift. And I have a handkerchief. It's in my nightstand. And she wrote me a personal letter printed on that. It's got to be one of those Etsy things. Um, it, like I look at it and you're like, that's so Etsy, you know. Um, and, uh, and that's Megan. She's a creative too. And so, but, but then I know that she had written in a letter to Linda about how she remembered seeing her reading her Bible every day and how that imprinted upon her. And, 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 and not in a, um, I'm sure Linda didn't do it in a like uh, legalistic way or whatever, but just, but just knowing that your kids are watching, and we know that, but just to remember spiritually speaking, you know, uh, those patterns, um, I guess if nothing else I'm saying, we, we need to pray for the parents of our church, and as, as we're praying for you, just uh, know that we understand it's hard. Uh, any parent that's raised a child knows it's very hard, and that we're, it, also we're with you in it, okay? Uh, we're, we're with you in it, uh, however much we can help you. Uh, and to, um, and to, to just know that uh, the Lord will bless your efforts to have them get around the people of God. He, he will do that, okay? Um, so, um, and, and, and as you spend time with the Lord each day, and as you uh, maybe even, um, you know, they've got these free resources now, um, the New City, New City Catechism, just bring it up on your phone, and they even have little questions you can ask your kids. Uh, there's a little, very short passage you can read to your kids, probably even after a, a meal or something. Or just when you're hanging out for a short bit, and they and they you read a little um, passage, and it has a question and an answer, and you're planting seeds of of the truth there in this. Uh, and again, a catechism is just a systematic way of teaching God's truth, right? So just um, I, I, you know, so that when I when I read this passage and I these first two verses, I, I just it just comes to mind the patterns that we set. For our, our families, and and so just uh, you know, just be asking yourself, you know, what kind of patterns and spiritual habits do I have, and how are they shaping your family? And ask ask for God's guidance there, you know. Or even if you're looking for some ideas, some thoughts, and ways to have, you know, how you handle some of those battles. Um, talk to parents around here who've raised their children. Of course, they they already know they didn't do it perfectly. But maybe they have some ideas for you, some thoughts, right? And um, you can make some new mistakes, right, and learn from theirs, right? Just saying. That's, uh, that's kind of the way it goes. Um, but uh, I, I was, uh, you know, by the way, if you're, this didn't, it's not a, this isn't meant to be a message about parenting, but it's becoming one, isn't it? Uh, if you're ever looking for some good resources, I, I think, on parenting, is Paul Tripp is a great resource. Paul Tripp, T-R-I-P-P, and you can, I mean, he's got entire conferences I've seen put out there on YouTube. You could just do Paul Tripp Parenting, and like an entire conference is right there. Um, and at least I found one this morning, um, so I know it's there. And so just just good resources, and he's really also about the heart. It's not, he's not just talking about um, getting kids to behave, which is great, but, you know, it's about from the inside out, the heart, shepherding the heart. And I, that's, so I like that approach. I think it's a good approach. That's kind of how God changes us 
right from the inside out. So, um, so, so there we have uh, the, the uh, Jesus and his family heading into town to celebrate the Passover. And then we have uh, losing Jesus on the way home. Now, this is, <laughs> it kind of sounds like Mary and Joseph were bad parents, you know, but that's not it, right? So you got to kind of really, it's, I, I'm thinking, you know, again, I don't have like the inside scoop from Mary on this or anything, but you just kind of imagine if it was kind of like our trip to LT, like they're traveling in groups, you know? Oh, I thought he was with the Johnsons. No, I thought he was with the Smiths. You know? Could very well have been. Could very well have been. So, you know, don't be hard on Mary and Joseph. And, um, and people just, you know, they read this, they think, oh, man, you know, who would do that? I'm like, well, you would, you know, basically. <laughs> All right, verse 43 says, And when the feast was ended, and as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. That's, that's what makes you think that probably they were with groups, right? And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. All right, so um, I think it's important for us to realize in doing this, Jesus did not sin, okay? He did not sin in staying behind. And it definitely seems purposeful on his part to be staying behind. Um, But we know from Scripture, Scripture constantly and consistently reminds us that Jesus never sinned, okay? Uh, some scripture references for you. I, again, I don't have them up here, but 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. That's 1 Peter 2.2. 2. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you get that? It says, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, right? So he, uh, and then one last one here, just um, on this idea and truth that Jesus had uh, has not sinned and will no, would never sin. It says, in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not know a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, okay? All right, so, um, I mean, there's several verses right there that just tell you um, Jesus did not sin, so he did not sin in this situation, right? Uh, so, it's just important. It's, it's important for us to realize, okay, that that is the case. Now, um, and it is important, uh, not just from the standpoint that the Bible tells us so, that should be enough, right? Uh, if you're a Christian and you hold to the truth of the Scriptures, if the Bible says something properly understood, we, we know it's true, right? Um, now, uh, just one aspect of the sinlessness of Jesus, of why it's so important. The sinlessness of Christ was a necessary uh, prerequisite to qualify him as a suitable Messiah, okay? When Peter speaks of Christ as a lamb without blemish or spot in 1 Peter 1, he is not simply speaking with some kind of poetic beauty 
or sentimental reflection, you know, to say that he's without spot or blemish. He is calling to mind the Old Testament demand for a spotless sacrifice. Spotless being the imagery of being without sin. And so, um, so it's all wrapped up in our redemption that Jesus would be sinless. If he had sinned, then he's not the perfect sacrifice, and therefore his sacrifice was not good enough. Okay? And we're still dead in our sins. And so, so this is just one aspect to realize, like, you, you cannot give ground on this. Uh, first, the Scripture teaches so, and secondly, there are, imp- there are implications scripturally <laughs> and for us in our salvation if he had sinned, okay? So, uh, now next we, find, we see them finding Jesus in the temple here, verses 46 and 47, where it says, after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Um, now, it seems like pro- probably uh, those three days, you know, there's a day traveling, right, and then a day realizing you're missing, and then the day back, right, so totaling three days, most likely. Uh, I can't imagine that three days would have passed totally for them to say, where is Jesus, right? Uh, now, that would be bad parenting probably, right? Uh, just saying. Um, and so, uh, uh, but in verse 47, it says, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So he's there in the temple. They find him in the temple. And he's listening, right? It says he's listening. It says, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Um, now, isn't it interesting that we see that kind of the, the posture of Jesus, even as a young boy, in his humanity here, he is a humble learner right there in the temple. He's a humble learner, asking questions, learning the scriptures, right? And, and this, is, this is where um, it's important that we realize Jesus had these two natures, these two natures. He was fully God and fully man, right? Well, in his humanity, he still had to learn. Okay, in his divinity, he knew everything. Um, how does that work in one person? I don't know, but it does. Okay, it does. In fact, while we're, I was going to do this in another spot, but I think this will be good. Let's just talk about uh, the the two natures in one person. Um, now, uh, throughout church history, at kind of crucial points. Um, there were adjustments to understanding, uh, to, to the church's understanding of who Jesus is. Um, like, you know, what kind of person was Jesus? How did these two natures relate to one another and so on? And one of those, and so what they do is they would get the church leaders together and have these councils, right? You've probably heard of the Council of Nicaea. Well, the Council of Chalcedon um, is one of these where, um, talking about these two natures was kind of, they drilled down on that. And um, I won't uh, read for you the entire statement that the church fathers kind of came up with to try to explain the scriptural understanding of uh, Jesus' humanity and his deity. But I will mention um, uh, four um, phrases, I guess, if you will, because uh, in their statement that they made, 
they say something like this, and it says, um, speaking of Jesus, it says, um, Christ, Son, Lord, only begotten, recognized in two natures, and here it says, without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. The, the distinction of natures being in no way annulled by the union, but rather the characteristics of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person and subsistence, not as parted or separated into two persons, but one and the same Son and only begotten God, the Word, the Lord Jesus Christ, and then it goes on. But really, what they did at that council when it came down to these two natures was says four things he is not. Okay? Four things he is not. And I just want to mention what those are. When it says that um, he is uh, fully human and fully God without confusion. Did you hear that one? Without confusion. So the Lord Jesus is not what you get when you mix blue and yellow and come up with green. Okay, It's not a mixture and then now we've got a new kind of thing in a sense. Okay, um, So he, he's not the result of mixing divine and human nature. So that's what they mean without confusion. And then another phrase says without division. Says, uh, in, excuse me, without change. Let's hit that one. Without change. In assuming human flesh, the logos, which is what we would call the, the pre incarnate Christ, Christ before he came down, you know, took on human flesh, the logos did not cease to be what he has always been. Okay? The incarnation affected no substantial change in the divine son. So him, him uh, taking on human flesh and now having um, a um, human nature as a part of him. It did not he did not lose any of his divinity okay and so it's with so he's without change so it's not like he's not like morphed into uh, a human some people even have this false view that um, like really it was a human shell and you filled it up with God and kind of like avatar you know uh, that movie avatar is kind of like you know you, you have this body that was made and then you know, somebody else takes control of it. That's that's not the way it was. Okay. Um, so without confusion, without change, so so uh, he's still God. Uh, it's not a mixture of the two. And then without division, the two natures of Christ do not represent a split in the divine person. Jesus Christ is not half God and half man. Okay? He's not he's not uh, he's not two persons. He's one person two natures. And then the last thing is without separation. The union of the human and the divine in the person of Christ is a real organic union, not simply a moral uh, sympathy or a relation, relational partnership, like he had a partnership with his human side. And his, you know. So, so um, basically, they made those statements to avoid certain heresies that were being taught at the time. Um, now, uh, so, you know, we get a little bit of a theological lesson today on this, but it's important, though, to realize you need, we need to have a right understanding of who Jesus is. Um, uh, a, a Bible teacher and theologian by the name of R.C. Sproul, some of you may have heard of him, right? He's gone to be with the Lord some years now. But one of the things they, I saw him, uh, um, I watched a video of him at a conference before he went to be with the Lord. And uh, he, so it was, I don't know what year it was, but it had to be close to when he, he died. But he was saying he felt like one of the greatest uh, issues in the church today is 
making sure that we understand who Jesus really is. Christology, if you will. Okay? Understanding who Jesus really is. Um, understanding what the Scripture teaches about His humanity and His divinity. Okay? Uh, because in here we, have, we see this picture. You know, I'm, I'm not just like infusing this into the text. It, 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 this is here. We see Him. He's asking questions. Right? He's learning. Right? Uh, in his humanity, he's, he's actually learning, right? Um, but I'm sure probably learning like any of us, not like any of us have with, our, with some of our problems, but yet he is fully human and he's learning, right? And he's asking questions. And they were amazed at some of the statements he had made. And so you can see he is a quick study, right? Um, so, but, but anyway, it's important, I guess, I guess, just to reiterate, it's very important for us to understand who Jesus really is and that he's not just um, a nice moral person, okay? He's fully human and fully God, and it was necessary for him to be both in the same person. So, um, now, isn't it interesting, so a couple things going on here that there was three days had passed, okay? Uh, I, think, I think there's a couple things going on in this whole passage that may be some foreshadowing, okay? Um, now, so what might be significant with three days? What do you know about three days, right? Jesus was in the tomb three days, right? Uh, he, he was there three days. He was missing here for three days, and, and it just makes you wonder, Again, this is a little this is speculation on my part, but it makes me wonder if um, Luke in this passage is also setting us up to see there's something significant about three days in the life of Jesus, and it starts here. It starts right here in the temple. Also, isn't it interesting that this would happen at the Passover, right? Why didn't he record some other time when maybe Jesus was about his father's business days, right? But on the Passover, on the Passover, right? So, um, and so uh, commemorate, so the Passover, right, celebration commemorated God's deliverance of Israel from slavery, right? Um, and on this particular Passover, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world, was present in the temple, okay? And I think that's significant. That's not an accident that the Lamb of God would appear there uh, in the temple on the Passover. And so, um, I just think that maybe Jesus here, he, Luke may be trying to dial us into the fact that Jesus would fulfill all that the temple meant and all that the temple symbolized, right? Because when you study and you look in uh, the book of Hebrews and you study the temple and the symbolism that was going on and how they offered sacrifice, I mean, all pointed to Jesus, right? And, um, and so, uh, again, I just think that uh, we'd be remiss to, to kind of gloss over that, that there's some foreshadowing uh, potentially going on there. Now, uh, in this passage, we also get the understanding that Jesus understood his divine calling. He understood that there's something special going on between him and God the Father, right? Uh, and as the verses go here in verse 48, and when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know 
uh, that I must be in my father's house. Other, some other versions say I must be about my father's business. Uh, you may be familiar with that uh, way of saying it. And so, and then it says, and they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. But so as we think back on this verse 49, it says, uh, why were you looking for me? Uh, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And I don't think it's any accident, uh, right, that when you go back to um, 40, uh, verse 48, where it says, Behold, your father and I have been searching for you. And then he says, Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Capital F. Right? So he's, he's, he's best, he definitely has an understanding uh, at this point in his life that he has a special relationship with God the Father. Okay? So I'm talking about in his, in his, in his humanity. His, in his humanity, he. He is, is, is dialing in to this uh, special relationship. And so he's like, well, of course I would be in my father's house, right? And so Jesus knew there was something in his humanity. Do I mean, of course, in his divinity, he knew everything. This is the thing where it's kind of, uh, you don't understand how it works together. But in his humanity, right, he, he was learning these things, but he was definitely acutely aware of this uh, relationship uh, with God the Father. And so, uh, and, and you know, these are the first recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, right? Everything has been said about him up to this point. So what are the first things out of his mouth is, I must be in my Father's house. In other words, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> I know that I've got a mission, right? I've got a purpose that my life is to fulfill here. And so, uh, why are you surprised by this, you know? And so, uh, and of course, like us, I'm sure, uh, we would have been like probably Mary and Joseph. We were saying, I don't, what is wrong? We don't, what is he talking about, right? Don't you remember that there are some places in the gospel where some of his family members thought he was crazy? They thought he was kind of Looney Tunes. Okay, they did. Um, and uh, so, but here we have, Jesus, being in his father's house, about his father's business, and he knew that was his primary purpose and mission here, right? His human nature had to come to understand this, that he had this special relationship with him. And so, just a little side thing, kind of along the parenting route, is thinking about, um, you know, we need to be praying for all of our parents and all the kids in the church that, that they would... Uh, prioritize God even over their parents, right? That God would be first in their life, amen? Just like we need that to be in our lives. We want our kids, I want your kids, God wants your kids, your grandkids, that Christ would be first, right? That they would be about his business, above even even what the parents want, right? Um, And so... um, that would be a glory to God that he would be first in their lives. Now, um, this is kind of uh, an interesting thing to think about, too, is that why age 12? Why age 12, I wonder? Well, so some people speculate, well, you know, what happens with a Jewish uh, boy at 13? Bar mitzvah, right? And that's where you become a man in the community. And so uh, usually around age 12, uh, the boys would undergo some training 
and mentoring by their fathers to be prepare them for manhood. Okay? And so I would imagine Joseph is doing his level best to prepare Jesus for becoming a man, right? Um, and uh, But Jesus' heavenly Father is going to pick up the slack. <laughs> and I like that because, um, you know, he's in there getting training. He's, 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 he's learning the Word of God. He's understanding what it means to live as a, as a faithful follower uh, in his humanity. And so, so uh, I think this should be comforting to us as parents that if we're raising our kids in a, in a, in a home where we, where we put Christ first and we, we, we fear God in that healthy sense of fearing God, is that um, we realize that God's, as we incorporate him into our lives, right, we put him first, he's going to help us in our lack <laughs> because we won't do it perfectly, but praise God for God <laughs> and the Holy Spirit who can work uh, in spite of our parental failings, in spite of our um, well-intentioned things that we do that maybe aren't the best. You know, it's just, uh, but, but, but God, as, as we are, are praying over our kids, uh, we, we just we want to pray, Lord, you know, um, fix what I've messed up. <laughs> I don't know how to best to say it. Um, but, you know, things that we don't even know about, you know. Um, and so I just think that uh, there, there's something about that, that, that scene there where Jesus here at age 12, right, is in the temple learning more about his heavenly father, though his earthly father and mother are doing their level best by God's grace to train him up to be a godly young man. Last thing to mention here is just the journey back to Nazareth, these last two verses, where it says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Um, I just imagine there's a lot there. Um, You know, Mary just thinking about her son, just saying, I wonder how this is all going to play out, you know? you know, or and and somebody's kind of what just happened back there. You know, I I have a little idea, but you know, and I know that you know our boy is supposed to be the savior of the world that was announced to us, but you know, we don't really know all that's going to mean. Um, but do you see there that um, that it says that he was submissive to his parents? Um, a model uh, here to to us all to submit to authority, right? Uh, that, that, that's important. And, and certainly, you know, and unfortunately, there are abuses in authority. We know that. And uh, we're, we're, I think we're probably hopefully more aware of that now than ever, just, just from what's happened, you know, and what comes out in the news and so on. But at the same time, I think ourselves, and we also need to share a kid that the default um, should be to to um, to respect authorities, right, and to um, because God has put them there, right. When you read in, in Romans, right, uh, and it tells us about that God has put those authorities in place for us, um, and if they're doing their job, 
uh, in the sight of God, then, uh, then men would fear doing evil, right? And so, uh, but, but we have Jesus here honoring his father and mother and understanding that there's a hierarchy. He's just modeling. I mean, here's, here's the, I mean, in his divinity, he created the universe. <laughs> in his humanity, he's submissive to his parents. You know, and so he's, he's, he's modeling this. Um, and, and so, you know, the question I just have for us here is, do we respond to authority in a God-honoring manner? Do we respond to authority in a God-honoring manner? And so, um, because, you know, not only is that right for us, right, but, man, our kids are like sponges. They just pick up everything. They pick up our attitudes, you know. Uh, darn it. You know, <laughs> they pick up our attitudes, right, and everything. And so, um, and again, you know, hey, I think uh, the best thing, one of the best things we can do modeling with our children is just to confess our sin before them. It's, when we make a mistake, you just kind of own it, right? You got to just say it. Hey, man, I should not have said that or I should not have done that. I'm really sorry. Sorry I did this. And just model confession, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and own it, right, um, when we don't respond um, properly to authority. And so, um, but, but Jesus, just an incredible model. This last, last verse, too, just fits right in with what we're talking about. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in nature and in favor with God and man. That's in his humanity. He's just, again, he's growing up. Like, in a sense, any normal young man would grow up. He's learning things. Uh, he, he's finding his place in his community where he's growing up uh, and so on. And, um, but this verse is just, um, just phenomenal when you think about it. And uh, I think that sometimes we just downplay. I mean, there's probably two errors we do. We downplay his divinity or we downplay his humanity. Right and and, and um, we need to avoid those and realize you know he had to learn you know he learned obedience it says he never sinned but it says he learned obedience <laughs> and um, so it's just um, these things you know what these things ought to do they ought to cause us just to worship <laughs> like God you are amazing how could you do that how could you put human nature and the divine nature in one person and it actually works. And accomplishes our salvation. I mean, that should make us fall on our knees saying, God, thank you that you did it. We don't know how you did it, but you did it. You know, and um, as they say, all good theology should end in doxology, which is praise. We say doxology is praise. You know, we, we want to study the Word of God not so we can know information, but so that we can be transformed and be more conformed to it, but also so that we can. We turn it into praise and thank God for who he is. Thank, thank God that he made Jesus, uh, in terms of his human nature, the way he did. That he is like us. He has, he has suffered and he has been tempted in all things like we have, yet without sin, right? Isn't it always uh, helpful when you're going through something if you talk to somebody who's been through that? I think it does, right? Well, let's think about it. Jesus has been tempted in all things, so he can identify right, with us in our temptations, 
And he can help us. He can help us. That's why we want to run to Jesus when we're tempted, not run away from him, right? All right, let's pray. Let's go to the Lord. God, thank you so much for this one glimpse here at the life of Jesus when he was 12 years old. And, Lord, we just want to pray for all of our parents today and the uh, incredible task of raising a child in today's world. God, just help them all. God, may your grace be poured out upon them. Lord, may we, um, uh, maybe those of us who have, who that's, uh, um, our, our most of our job is done, but we would be able to just be there as a resource, be there as a source of encouragement, strength, advice, whatever. Um, and so, Lord, we pray for all the kids in our church family. Lord, would you protect them from the evil one? Would you um, awaken within them uh, just a, a desire to know you more? And would you, Lord, draw them near to Jesus that they might come to faith at an early age and that they might find this relationship with Jesus uh, just to be so near and dear and that he would be their very present help in trouble uh, he would be the one that they would turn to to rejoice in the, the good times. And so, Lord, we just pray, um, Lord, for the kids, for the parents. And, Lord, help us all, Lord, to have a right understanding of who Jesus is. Uh, one person, two natures, fully divine, fully human, a mystery, but true. And let us hold on to these things, even though they may you know, be in tension. Lord, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand on up and sing Jesus Messiah.
So in today's passage, Jesus said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house, right? And as believers, we've been adopted into the father's house and we can celebrate and find joy here in the midst of his family, his people. So let's sing this. Sing to the God. 
God who healed. We sing to the God who saved. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because He hung upon that cross and He rose from that grave. My God still rolls those. than just words. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's great. That was really great. Thank you all for singing and praising the Lord. That's awesome. Um, listen, I just want to remind people that uh, every Sunday after service up here in the front, our prayer team is here. If you want any pray about anything, they'll do that with you. Uh, those that are online, our hosts there, there's a button that says, you know, request prayer, and they can pray with you before you log off. So um, thanks for worshiping today. And uh, may the Lord bless you guys. Be safe. I want to mention one thing here in person. Uh, back there in the back, uh, it's gotten a little slippery. So I would suggest if you're a little unsure on your feet to go the long way, if you've got to go to the fellowship hall or the bathroom, uh, as a suggestion. Okay? All right. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you.